Moncrief with Energlaze on News Talk. A new ESRI report has shown that Ireland's gambling problems far worse than previously thought. It cites a figure of around 280,000 people in this country who might be problem gamblers. But of course, this doesn't affect the gambler, but also the people around them, some of whom might have been kept in the dark about the situation. The former Galway and Westmeath hurler Davy Glennon knows all about this. He's lived through it. Afternoon, Davy. Good afternoon, Sean. How are you? Not too bad. How were you introduced to gambling? Um, It was at a young age, Sean. Uh, I suppose heading into my local town of a Saturday, um when I was, I suppose, very competitive in sport um, and maybe my friends were going out to discos or um, I suppose got caught onto this addiction that I found fun. Mm. Um, And it started, obviously, uh, with small money. Um, It started as maybe one day a week. Um, I was still in school and then it caught on to being... uh, compulsive and it took over my life to an extent right uh, and so all the problems yeah so you were still at school and what kinds of things were, were you betting on anything uh anything i suppose i was a traditional old style uh gambler where it was going into the bookie shops where you had horse racing you had greyhounds you had virtual racing greyhounds horses etc yeah and the, and so you you were betting on a wide range of things a wide but, range, anything I suppose that I I, I got a, that that bit of um, buzz I suppose yeah. from basically. And can you remember what you were telling yourself? What story you were telling yourself at the time about this? To an extent, you know, you become so caught up in that zone um, that you you're, you're 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 basically lying to yourself, and you're you know, I suppose, behind it all that you're not doing the right thing, um, but. You know, it's like, I suppose, the person that's having a drink or um, smoking a fag or taking drugs, you know, it was it, it got to an extent where I just needed that fix. Yeah. Right. So, so um, I say, yeah. So after school then, was it, did you, were you still going into bookies or, or did that change? It did after school and whenever I used to have uh, money, access to money, it was it was taking over my life that I was going in whenever I needed access to money or had access to that money. I was going, whether it was missing school and uh, once I left school, it was a friendship that I took on. My parents thought that I was going to FOSS at the time where I wasn't. I was spending my days, I suppose, leaving in the morning. Uh, I remember actually driving to a car park and basically hiding out for the two or three hours until the bookie shop actually opened and I was heading to the bookie shop for the day, heading home with once in a life, once in a while having a few pounds, mm. other days broke, parents thinking I'm going to college, FOSS, etc. Uh, but that was that was the scale of my gambling. Oh my God. And did you ever go to, uh, to the FOSS course? I did. I actually did uh, go for about two or three days, but then... That slowly slipped away, and and it basically gambling was 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 my life, and you know I had that other side of the hurling, and I suppose with expectation of being an athlete, being a hurler, you know you you you're supposed to be that athlete, athlete eating right, sleeping right, uh, but that was always that was taking the back seat. Yeah, no, but see, but at the same time, you know, to be an athlete, and and it was like you were living two lives, and and one had a certain amount of discipline in it. And the other one was completely undisciplined. 
Yeah, and like I go back to living with an addict. Uh, I suppose it was it wasn't just me I was affecting. It was my family, uh, my parents, relationships, uh, for a finish, employers. Um, so it took over everything. Um, I knew that I had a problem from near enough get go from day one, mm. but. The lies I was telling, I was I became a compulsive liar. Um, I was ducking and diving from people that I owed money to. But, you know, you were able to tell a lie st- out of nowhere. You know, yeah. you, you, you just had that in me to just think of something uh, off the cuff and, and basically lie about it to get out of certain scenarios. Yeah. I imagine that having the occasional win was probably the worst thing that could happen. It was only covering over the cracks for yeah. for to a certain extent. Like I have, it doesn't matter about the amount of money. It could be five euros you could win. It could be fifty five. It could be fifty thousand. It was all going back. It was a loan for a short space of time. It was all going back uh, to the same thing again, you know. And it, it it didn't stop until obviously the day that I reached out for help. Um, mm. It took me the guts of ten years to reach out for help. Um, I'm look, I'm one of the luckier ones that actually did reach out and did get the help that I needed yeah. uh, to be able to stay gamble-free today. Yeah. Now, in these kind of media interviews, it's always kind of easy for me to say, well, what was the moment you realised? But I, I assume it wasn't just one moment, Davey, that there must have been a kind of a creeping realisation that you couldn't continue this way. Well, it became borrowing money, that you thought you were borrowing money to becoming stealing money, uh, to being caught for stealing money. Ooh. And that's what, that's what it took for me to, to, to reach out for help. You know, I needed that help. It was either going one way or the other. I was either maybe going to go to jail for what I was doing, or I was actually going to get help, or I was going to end my life. And that was the scenarios. That's what was in my head. All them words uh, that's what I thought about yeah. and you know behind it all I wanted that help but I didn't know who to go to I didn't know who to ask I was ashamed I suppose I felt that I was it was too, it, it was too embarrassing for me my family to to explain that I had this problem this stigma that about asking for help I suppose is is where I found hard yeah and and when you finally did your family particularly uh, and the people close to you did they had they always known something was up a certain amount of people would know to the extent but no one knew how bad only myself um mm. the extent of my gambling basically my mother knew her her hair was torn out for years she used to have a business near enough to a bookie shop that i used to gamble in and she used to see my car parked outside which which basically crippled her from day to day looking at what I was doing in my life. She knew to an extent, my father knew to an extent, my brother knew to an extent, employers knew to an extent, but they didn't know how bad it was. My friends, my housemates that I lived with over the years, they had an idea because there was there was years, there was times where I could gamble rent money and, and there would be a, a situation there where you'd have to solve. Yeah. But no one knew to the extent until when I was brought to Coonwira for treatment, I was asked to, on an A4 page, which it took a lot more than an A4 page, to write out 
what I could remember all I owe to everybody if it took hours, days, weeks to do all this. And when I was asked to give that to my mother uh, just to show a family member what was going on or how bad this, the situation was, the circumstances, it, it was shocking. It was frightening. And I suppose no one knew to the extent until I was able to come along and write out everything that I owed to everybody. Were you able to pay everybody back? Uh, slowly but surely. And, and, I, and I'm still doing it to this day. Um, I suppose a certain amount of people had to be paid right away to an extent. I had to basically, I suppose, first of all, I did three months in, in, in rehabilitation to be able to have the strength to go out them gates of Kunwira, to be able to control myself, first of all. Now, Rome wasn't built in a day. Yeah. But I suppose some people maybe didn't wanted their money and rightly so because it was their money. But I suppose over time, slowly, I was able to thank God, get that, um, suppose be able to go out, stop my gambling, stop the addiction that I have and maybe be able to compete again in life to be able to pay the people back that I needed to pay. Are there, and obviously it must have damaged relationships in your life as well. Uh, Are there some that you haven't been able to repair? Absolutely. Um, Like, that's one regret that I would have relationships. Um, I was able to repair maybe 75, 80% of relationships, but there is, I suppose, and some people would be able to relate to me through other family members or people that they'd be, they would have been um, close to that maybe would have been affected by my gambling that understood um, and were able to give you that chance again. Um, I suppose I got, I, I'm, I'm taking one chance and that's the pressure I put on myself today that I got one chance in life um, to go into Kunwira, do my treatment and try and keep me between the lines for the rest of my life and keep that fire quenched. Yeah. Um, so there is that 20, 25% that you probably will never repair uh, that relationship. But it's something I suppose I have to live with. But I, I have to just carry on with my life as best as possible now. Yeah, and when you're in Quimera, I assume to an extent it's preparing you for leaving and, you know, the, and how to kind of redesign your life. And like, it, how, what does that consist of? Exactly. It, it only prepares you. Like people, like, I, people reach out to me on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and it's, people think that I, I went in and got cured. I didn't. It was preparing me to leave them big gates after three months of treatment and go out and be able to look after myself again and have the strength and I suppose look at what I needed to look at. Give me that breathing space to be able to go go out and and, and take care of all the problems that I needed to take care of and be able to hold my hand up and deal with them. Mm-hmm. Um it's it's not something that can be cured. It'll never be cured. And that's that's one thing that I'm very careful of, that my gambling addiction is never cured. It just gives you, I suppose, they give you that bit of medication that you need to to keep that, as I say, fire quenched from 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 exploding yeah. again. But is it kind of like you have to avoid where the bookies is or or you know, I suppose because you can just as easily gamble online now. So that that that, that temptation is constantly there. The temptation is always there. And, and it's even if you're driving out, like I actually heard that's that this morning I was heading out to work uh, and I was driving along the road and I heard this, um, this stat that was given. Um, and it, it brings me back, I suppose, to where I was. Um, there, I, I don't agree that you hear people say, oh, I just found myself back in a bookie shop again. There's, there's, there's moments 
in, in, in days or weeks that you, you can get vulnerable if it's a thing that you need to go to a meeting or you need to speak to someone, you need to talk to your uh, maybe closest friend that can relate to you. I suppose everyone has their own medication in, 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 in keeping themselves uh, between the two lines. Mm. So like I, I have mine and mine would be like, would people reach out to me? I love being able to explain where I came from and where I am today. Uh, and if I can help, I do help. If I can't, I can't. But I do would have a lot of family members reaching out, asking, explaining their story that they have. Um, and, and that's that's what helps me, I suppose. Talking about it, talking about people um, in general is is, is something that I, I, I like doing because I, I feel like, you know, a, a sense of bit of um, pride in what I have gone through, what I have done, but what I what I'm doing now. Yeah. And when you're getting treatment for it and when you look back on it, do, do you wonder why this happened to you? I don't think I was born to be a gambler, mm. um, but it, it was something that I suppose happened to me, whether it was my fault. I suppose I have to take that on the chin. It wasn't anyone else's fault. It was my fault. Uh, I have to hold up my hands and say, well, you do the crime, you do the time. That's, basically the way I look at things but I suppose unlucky or lucky everyone has their own problems uh, in life mm. um, and it's people that get sick um, why does it happen to me well this is what happened to me so I just have to deal with it now yeah Davey, thanks a million for uh, speaking with us today. Uh, that was uh, Davey Glennon there, uh, the former former Galway and uh, Westmeath Hurdler. One texter says it's frightening. Anyone could lose everything at the stroke of a thumb on their mobile phone. The industry doesn't care about its victims. A lot of education is needed. Fair play to Davey. He's fighting back against the industry in his own way. Moncrief, weekdays at 2pm. With Anna Glaze on News Talk.